Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four College Sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler. Thanks for being with us. Sam Sprunger over there. Tony Hollinsworth in the middle, if you can see us on screen. Sam, Tony, how are we doing? Better doing. this week. Yeah, I say, especially after your uh, your team got a win there, buddy. Uh-huh. A good win at that. Uh-huh. And 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 yeah, I don't care that it was without you know they beat minnesota without mo it just it uh it doesn't matter wins a win win. well a win's a win sir as you like to say tony yeah i was gonna say for our newcomers uh that that may not be aware fully of the yes shame on you but may not fully be aware of the rooting interests of the the pack uh tony and i both with the big 10 are into michigan state have michigan state alliances interests uh, Sam, on the other hand, is a big Boilermaker fan, and Boiler Up, they go to Minnesota. We'll talk about that game in just a little bit because now the West is really something else. Isn't but it? actually, where we want to start is where the West maybe got turned upside on its head because there's only one team in the Big Ten West that doesn't have a win, and that's the Wisconsin Badgers. And Wisconsin at home welcoming in Brett Bielema, the the lovable son that gave him a Big Ten title in 2010, or excuse me, 2011, uh, This and 2012, matter of fact. Mm-hmm, right. But he makes his return as the head coach of the Illini and just dumps on him. 34-10, to 10, Illinois goes into Madison and just, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, puts on a huge performance getting the win. Wisconsin, only two rushing yards in this Unheard game. Of. I was going to say, I will repeat that. Wisconsin, two rushing yards in this one. And afterwards, we end up seeing that head coach Paul Chris gets fired. There's a lot of things to dissect here, but I see Sam was giddy at the mic already. What part got you going? Think about that 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 stat you just gave. You're talking about a school that has had Ron Dane, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, one historically NCAA great, and then two that were one, two that are still operational and really good in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor might be the best running back in the NFL. And you're talking about the school that all three of these team guys went to had two yards against Illinois. And I don't think Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy are that bad. Like no. they're much more capable than two yards. And I think that's a big part of the problem and the reaction. And maybe this is where we start off. Paul Chris gets dismissed Sunday night, the day after this beatdown he suffered against Illinois. Interim head coach is announced is going to be Jim Leonard the rest of the way. Let's talk about this. And we'll start with Tony. Paul Chris being dismissed from Madison. Uh, what was your takeaway when you heard the news? I mean, it, it's surprising because if you if you look at his stats, you know, out of the most 10 win seasons for Wisconsin head coaches in history, he's tied with, you know, Brett Belima, his the guy that just beat him with four and Barry Alvarez. So, I mean, the, historically this is the, the best coach ever at Wisconsin, which exactly. which also did you think Barry Alvarez was just going to parachute from the sky to take yes. the interim job? I thought you were- <laughs> 
like like he did when Bielema left to go do the do the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I yeah. thought that. Well, like or like Bob Stoops when uh you know Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, yep. like I'll come back for a game, and Oklahoma's like, do it, do it, do it, come back. I know that's yeah. how Badgers fans feel, but it but it is it's sad. I mean, you know, Chris overall, he was sixty seven and twenty six as a head coach. He was forty three eighteen in, in the Big Ten, and he won three Big Ten West you know division titles and finished top fifteen three times. So the fact that he he has one bad start to a season, he's two and three with, again, when we've talked about it, there's no definitive favorite in the West because every time we were like, okay, maybe this is going to be the team, they get upset. I beg to differ. <laughs> well, except for Sam. Sam's still <laughs> holding strong with Purdue. I'm still holding strong with Minnesota. I'm sitting in first place, dude. Oh, wait, hey, no, I'm not. Tied for first hey, place. So am I with Nebraska. <laughs> Look at me go. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> but... It, it's just surprising because with and, and this is what has always surprised me with some colleges and some coaches is that, you know, it takes time to build this program. Paul Christ has been here yeah. for an extremely long time. And again, it's not like he's had a history of failure. Wisconsin has almost always been a very successful program. I think the last time they actually had a losing season was the 2020 season when, yeah, you know, yeah. a bunch of good players sat out. It was already a crazy year to start with. And they went, what, like three and nine, if I remember right, if if that. I can't or something. It had to be that. less games than that because the COVID say, they goofy didn't get a full, year, but full yeah, season in. But it, he he didn't have a lot of. I, if I remember right, he had a really bad losing record that year. But still, like th this is a guy that you know, five games in the season, you decide to fire him, like that. Well, like that's a little crazy. But I mean, we've seen other crazy fires so far. But this is probably the biggest one that, to me, means the most as far as a Power Five school that has always been competitive. It's always been consistent, and they said, you know what? No, Paul, we're we're done. We're moving on. Since and by the way, I I just want to throw in the the clarification. Since Barry Alvarez, they've been competitive and good because before yeah. then, ooh, Wisconsin. They were was. competitive with Purdue every year. <laughs> I was going to say, Wisconsin was a mess. But to Tony's point, that was about 30 years ago that Barry Alvarez yeah. showed up and turned yeah. that into a, a competent, competitive program. Um, so we see where Tony Tony kind of sits on this. Doesn't fully understand it. Thinks it's a little wild that, that Paul is dismissed. Sam, where do you land? I'm kind of in the same boat because it makes zero sense. And, and uh, oh, is it Braylon Allen, the running back? Yes, the running back. Was yes. not happy. No. He said, mm -hmm. if you were on board with Paul Christ being fired, you're not part of what's happening here. And that should be telling. There has to be something underlying to me to have somebody, you know, like Paul Christ be so wildly successful. And I'll say wildly successful because that's what Wisconsin. I mean, Tony, you said it. He has the same amount of 10 win seasons as Brett Bielema and as Barry Alvarez. Why are you firing him in the middle of a season where they might not be goodness? Kirk Ferns would have been fired, you know, after week one if mm -hmm. if they would have had that short of a fuse in Iowa. But yeah. how do you how do you treat the? I don't I don't understand it because to me it, it if Wisconsin let's say were to turn it around and finish three games above five hundred. Is that because they fired Paul Christ or is that because they just have the horses there? If they have the horses there, they should have stuck it out at least because there's nothing worse than trying to ch uh, change bosses midstream. 
And and so maybe since both of you are kind of in the same boat, let me shed some light to, to what I think the other side sure. of this is. And it kind of goes off of the point that Sam's making, that there are horses there. Mm-hmm. And for Wisconsin to start two and three losses to Wazoo, an embarrassment against Ohio State, and an embarrassment against Illinois, that Wisconsin pulled the plug on this. And, and let me say that the last two years, Wisconsin has not been in the Big Ten title game. In 2020, it was Northwestern. In 2021, it was Iowa. And I think what we're noticing is this is a bit of a byproduct of looking at the Big Ten West and saying there is zero reason why we, Wisconsin, should not be in this at least every two to three years in this Big Ten title game and winning this division because of how bad it is. I think the incompetence and how bad that division is led to this decision. If there is nothing underlying to Sam's point, because I think they're saying, Look, we have the resources. There's no reason, there's no excuse that we're not winning this division. But, we should own this. But Dalton, what happens if, let's say, Purdue goes on a two-game in-division or in-conference losing streak, Minnesota loses a couple more, and then Wisconsin goes on a little bit of a of a win streak, and they're fighting for the West. I mean, it's, to your point, it is so wide open and it is so, you know, like indecisive on who the favorite is. Who's to say at the end of the season, Wisconsin's not in that fight and beats Minnesota to go to Indy? Then where are we sitting? Yeah. And, and, and go ahead. Sorry. And I was going to say, too, I mean, you know, much like Dalton said, the last two years they haven't been. But before that, they were in the last three out of four. Now, right. they lost all three of those. Um, you know, they lost to Penn State, they lost to Ohio State, and they lost to Ohio State again. But, you know, again, you went to three out of four up until the last two years. Like, you were in the game. Well, and, like, and let's look at historically, let's say Lou Gehrig went on a six-game hitless streak. Anymore, with that that mentality of, well, we haven't made it to the, to the Big Ten Championship in three years, or we're not gonna for three straight years. We're gonna we're gonna fire Paul Chris. Lou Gehrig goes on a six game hitless streak and gets benched. You know, and then we're not talking about Cal Ripken breaking the Iron Horse. It's it's not apples to apples, but like, so there's a slump. Really, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of one of the guys that has the most ten win seasons simply because we haven't made it to where we think. I, it it just doesn't it, the the math doesn't add up for it to be just a straight. We haven't made it to the promised land for for three years. We got to make a change. Well, dumb dumb point, and I, I suppose actually this is not a dumb point, but in maybe a dumb exercise because this is <laughs> going to be really out there. But I don't exercise. Let's <laughs> let's let's play this game with Ohio State for a moment. Let's say Ohio State lost to Rutgers last week. Mm-hmm. Let's say they go on the road to Michigan State and lose. Would you not say? that, hey, Ohio State's way better, way more talented than these teams. They lose these two games, and we're not winning the Big Ten. There's reason for change because we have so much talent. We have the resources. We're investing in the program. Like, that's that's my point, I suppose, is Wisconsin should be dominating the West. Ohio State should be dominating the East. Well, Ohio State should have competition with Michigan in the East, and they finally do. Michigan's finally gotten back up towards the top where they're competing with Ohio State. But these programs that are super talented and and have all these resources and are applying them, 
that they should be dominating, and that's the standard. So I think that's kind of the same philosophy. I, I don't disagree, but like you know, look at last year. They lost to Michigan. Ohio State lost to Michigan and lost their first game at home. With yeah, that mentality, with that mentality, Ryan Day should have been fired last year because he didn't win the what the East and he didn't go to the playoffs. Oh, I are we saying though that if Ryan Day didn't do that three years in a row, Ryan Day would not be fired? I I don't know. It's John so, Cooper if that happens. Well, you look and see what they did. John Cooper stuck around an awful while, a long while. <laughs> but you get what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I, if, I if don't you disagree. Get by Michigan, it, it just is very confusing. The I don't I don't know. It, it it I don't disagree that if he lost two games each year, one being Michigan three years straight, that they wouldn't be try to have his head on a stick. Yeah. Right, but one year. You say, well, on the other hand, too, I mean, you can look at it in the fact of how much how much loyalty is there, mm -hmm. because in the same token, if Ryan Day lost to Michigan three years in a row, you know, we, we'd probably be talking about him being on the hot seat and or if not being fired. Whereas on the other half of the coin, look at Jim Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's got two wins against Ohio State in his like 10 years of being the head coach. Is it one? It, no, is just right, one. it is one. He does. He only has one win against. I was thinking about the last time Michigan won. Um, that wasn't Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that was, was 2011, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So, you know, the fact that he's only got one and Michigan said, yep, this is still our guy. We're going to keep him. Well, much, much to this conversation we're having about Paul Chris, if we rewind the clock just a couple years ago, we were having this conversation with Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh yeah. and Michigan were consistently finishing nine and three in that range. They were finishing third or fourth in the East. They couldn't beat Ohio State. For the most part, they couldn't beat Michigan State. I mean, they, they used to show the rivalry record of Harbaugh versus the rivals, and it was kind of the, the sticking point. And we all thought that Harbaugh was going to get the axe at one point. Matter of fact, he had to take a contract reduction for him to stick around after that COVID year. And then all of a sudden you wave the wand, you beat Ohio state one time and everything's completely different. But like much to the point we're talking about, like Jim Harbaugh was winning games, but not winning anything maybe significant or meaningful. And we were talking about maybe he should have the act. So like we've had this conversation that we're having with Paul Chris before with some of these other big coaches. <sighs> It'd be one thing if uh, when we were talking about Jim Harbaugh, he had accomplished nothing other than nine and three records. Mm -hmm. Paul Christ has won Big Ten titles three times. Or well, he won the, the West. That's what I mean. But he never won a title. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But that's success. Yeah. That is show. But, I mean, but hang on, Sam. Let me jump in here because let's talk about the Big Ten West for a moment. We're talking about right now where Northwestern's tied for first with a one and four record and a loss to Southern Illinois, the Saluskis. <laughs> like that's how bad this division is. So to the point that that can't be the standard is just waltzing by everybody in this division. No, no, I I don't disagree that this year is one of those that it's even more wide open. Like I but heard it's three in a row now three years in a row that it's happened like this, where it's wide open and Wisconsin hasn't. Anytime it. Wisconsin doesn't win it, we call it wide open because it's so staggering and we don't know who else to call a good team. I'm st uh, I, 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 I'm not arguing that point that it's wide open. I'm really not to me though, going through a time period and, and, and here's the thing. I, 
I still see Wisconsin as a a threat. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm just not gonna say. Well, they're completely out of it until like they've lost another three games in in conference because all it takes is, and and it maybe maybe it's the change of you know of, of who's leading the way. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I just I such a success and it's it's bad it's been bad ohio state they looked like a dumpster fire but you know what ohio state's gonna make a lot of teams look like dumpster fires when they think oh well they should have been pretty productive well ohio state's really really good yep it's gonna happen that way and i don't know it it's just i'm i you know what it's not purdue so i don't really have a huge uh opinion on it in that aspect but it just doesn't make sense that it's it's one of those that that yeah you went through a dry, you've gone through a dry spell in the last three years and, and two years I'm not even going to say they're out of it right now because they're not that because yeah. it's so wide open it just takes them beating you know let's say Purdue Minnesota and uh, well they're not going to beat Illinois but Northwestern and all of a sudden boom they're they've got less losses than everybody but Illinois and that's taken into consideration that Illinois goes undefeated the rest of the way or at the same time as them. So I mean they're 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 literally a win streak away from being again the West Division winners. That's it's a fair point. I do want to tackle this from a couple different angles before we we close the book on the Paul Christ uh dismissal. One being where I really am hung up on this and I really don't understand it is in January, athletic director Chris McIntosh gave Paul Christ a contract extension. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. If if you take my philosophical argument that this has been, you've been seeing Brewing signs under the under the surface? Yes. If, if you take that philosophical argument I'm making that maybe you've seen signs of weakness and maybe there have been shortcomings over the years, why would a contract extension be granted yeah. if this is how you felt where you're ready to pull the plug five weeks into the season? I don't know that we've gotten an answer yet, and maybe I missed it somewhere in the press clippings and, and researching through the, the press conferences, but how do you give him a contract extension in January and five weeks into the year you're now having to buy out his contract, and we still don't know the exact number. He says in a quote that it's significantly less, end quote, that, that what was going to be owed to him. So we don't know exactly how much the buyout was. But what happened from January to there? If you felt this coming, there should have never been a contract extension. Correct. And if you didn't feel that coming, boy, what a, what a knee-jerk reaction and, and lack of loyalty five weeks into this year. That's where I'm hung up from a logical sense. What's the purpose of the extension if you weren't intending on keeping him for at least one full season afterwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and actually, I did find out. So in 2020, Wisconsin went four and three overall. So, I mean, oh, you're going to lose in yeah. losing season. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he never had a losing season his entire time of being the head coach. The worst season he had, aside from COVID, was 2018. They went 8-5, and five, and then, of course, last year they went 9-4. and four. So, you know, much to Dalton's point, you have a coach that has never truly had a losing season in his head coaching history at Wisconsin. He's 6-1 and one in bowl games, which is better than Barry Alvarez's because Barry Alvarez went 8-3 and three in bowl games. And you, like Dalton's point, you give him a contract extension in January, 
And then, you know, like he said, five games into the season, you know, what, nine months later. So, old, mm-hmm. old, you know, human pregnancy, basically, you say, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not keeping this guy anymore. Like like Dalton said, what what happened in that in between there? And again, it's not like for lack of you know player support either. So it's not like we can say, oh, well, Wisconsin's locker room was, you know, a dumpster nightmare. You know, yes, you lose to Ohio State, but that as bad as it sounds, that's to kind of be expected. Everybody's you know? gonna. Right. Like you're you're a good team. You know, you can try to make it competitive, which unfortunately for Wisconsin, they didn't. But again, it's it's hard to be that competitive when you are going up against your biggest rival. And currently, as it sits right now, the Big Ten powerhouse that is Ohio State. So. Yeah, that that's again where it's my question is what what happened in that time for you to say, yeah, Paul, we don't really think you're the guy anymore. You've done great for us. You've been fantastic, but we don't think you're the guy unless unless it's one of those where as soon as he the ink dried on that extension, he got lazy. That would be the only thing that would to me make sense. Okay, we don't know what happened, but that contract extension turns you into a completely different coach we need to part ways that would be the only thing to me because you know what he's earned and i and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that the last two years were a failure necessarily they failed to get to the to to the big 10 championship i wouldn't say that makes the season a failure even in wisconsin's realm of standard that while it wasn't a complete success, it wasn't a failure. And you're going to, okay, he's two and three this year. And okay, you're done. It, it, it has to be that he's that, he got really lazy after the signing or they jumped the gun and had a knee jerk reaction. And, and again, we're operating currently with the assumption or no knowledge of anything nefarious or Correct. anything Correct. maybe out of character, maybe something despicable kind of behavior. I mean, that's always a possibility. We're I, going I, just by what's on the surface. Yeah. And, and it's hard for hard to assume, especially without anything being said, but also like just from Paul Chris in the media limelight that we've seen him, like doesn't. He doesn't seem like a big personality. Like I, right. I'm not, he seems like a rather boring guy. He's not like his character and outrageous. Yeah. He's not yeah. gregarious and outrageous. Because honestly, I knew Paul Christ was the coach, but I couldn't tell you what he looks like. No, <laughs> not really. Honestly, and that's not me. You know, making light of who he is and how good of a coach he was. That's his style. I don't know him. What do you look like? like a, if he walked by me, I'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" And that was it. I wouldn't even yeah. be like, "Oh, wow, you got a raw deal." Another I, another regular old guy in Wisconsin, like, oh, yeah. what's up? <laughs> which I think was part of the charm. It's yeah, part of the allure. Absolutely, it's like that that Big Ten Network social media video where they were asking the coaches what actor would play them in a movie, and they're going through all the coaches, and then Paul Chris at the end goes, "They would never make a movie about me," <laughs> and it's just so. So it's comedy gold, Jerry. (laughs) So, so we're working with this assumption. We're working with what we know just to, to put that into terms, especially if somebody goes back and rewatches this and something does come out, we don't know at this time. Let's think about this Dalton real quick. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, back when uh, Mike Shula was let go from uh, Alabama, they hired Mike Riley. You would have never thought that he would have had some of the things go on that he did when he was, newly hired as the Alabama coach, Mm -hmm. you know, he was more of a personality than I think 
Paul Christ is, but yeah, yeah, you just don't know. So that's why I'm not going to say, you know, Wisconsin was completely wrong. I just don't see it right now. And it's because right. not everything's out there or Wisconsin's just not right in this. One of the two things. And I yeah. don't see Barry Alvarez being a knee jerk most of the time type of person. Is he, is he still the AD? No, it's Chris McIntosh, That's who right. also That's played right. at Wisconsin That's right. in the Sorry. 90s. I don't think Wisconsin's athletic department would react most of the time anyways. Let's say it that way, knee-jerk reaction-wise, because they've learned from Barry Alvarez throughout that you've got to, it, it takes time or whatever. And yes, you have a standard, but it, it you know things happen. Yeah. And important – oh, go ahead, Tony. I was say, and real quick, you know, I don't know if we wanted to talk about this or not. I just want to throw it out there. The odds for the next Wisconsin head coach. So Jim Leonard, who's the current. Hang on, hang on. Go ahead. Pause it, Tony, because I do want to talk about that real quick. Back to Sam's point, just for context. It's important to note that Chris McIntosh is early in his tenure, just over a year served now as a Wisconsin AD. So I wasn't completely off thinking that it was still Barry Alvarez. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it also, it's important to note for a move like this to be made, that it's still early in the tenure of Chris McIntosh. Now to Tony's point, because I want to talk about what the future for Wisconsin football looks like. Jim Leonard is, is a big part of this, but why don't you run through the odds, Tony? Yeah. So currently as it sits right now, the odds to be the next head coach. So Jim Leonard is two to one odds. Bill O'Brien is three to one. Lance Leopold, the current coach of Kansas, who is undefeated as it sits right now and ranked Rock Chalk time in like 13 years, uh, sits at five and one. Dave Arnada uh, for Baylor is six and one odds, and then Sean Lewis for Kent State is eight and one odds. So, where's Brett Bielema there? <laughs> no, nowhere, nowhere. According Honestly, to MSN, I, he is nowhere. I sent a message to you guys, think uh, telling you, I think he is completely a candidate again for Wisconsin mm-hmm. simply because when he left, it wasn't because Wisconsin let him go, he left to go to Arkansas. Yeah. And for him to come in and completely embarrass them on their field, yeah. If Wisconsin is that next step up from Illinois and Bielema doesn't have that that emotional tie that you kind of mentioned, Dalton, that that might keep him in Illinois, if he doesn't have mm-hmm. that, I see Wisconsin maybe at least kicking the tires on bringing Bielema back. And and it, I think that totally makes sense from Wisconsin's point of view. I'm curious, too, what Brett would do with that because, like yeah. you mentioned, I, I think there is an emotion and a sense of home with him. He grew up in Illinois. It's where he's from. And you've seen him really embrace that and make it a part of his his identity, which is and, kind of underdone a rebranding of sorts. And maybe maybe that happened because he didn't see a move like going back to Wisconsin as a possibility to where, okay, I'm just going to embrace it. Maybe it's not that important, but maybe it's one of those that it's a Tom Allen situation where he's got right. his dream job. Now I'm yeah. home. I love this. This is yep. where I'm going to be. Yeah. Um, I, I do think though, that a part of the reason why Wisconsin made this decision is because they didn't see a future with Paul Christ where they're getting back to competing at the standard. And maybe Well, hold on, because I think maybe they want to know if Jim Leonard could be the guy. And they said, here's a seven week audition. It's yours. Show us that you're the man for the job. And that's what I I was going to say was why why let him go in the middle of the season if, you know, because change does screw with players. hundred percent. But I do think that was a part of this. Again, working with the knowledge that that we have. I can accept that a little bit more then. Yeah. 
because I, 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 um, in jobs I've had, you know, in the middle of a very busy time, you know, a boss got replaced and it threw a wrench into the way things went because the boss now has different ideas on how things should be going. There's already a flow and you, you, and that's not to say that the flow wasn't wrong. Right. There's just a really big learning curve. So like for the next two weeks, I wouldn't think Wisconsin, I, th- I think they play uh, Northwestern, Northwestern this coming week. So yeah, on the road. So, so while that while while Northwestern is tied for first in the West Division, that's um, right. I don't see. I don't know that uh, uh, it's going to be that tough of a game for teams like uh, uh, Wisconsin. I don't. I don't know. I just got a message and it threw me off. Anyways, <laughs> I. I, I don't know that Northwestern's going to put up a huge fight against Wisconsin. So, like, the next couple of, of uh, tests may be a little bit uh, hard to watch for Wisconsin fans. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's go ahead. We're heavy this first quarter. Let's move yeah, to the are. second. We'll recap a little bit of the rest of the weekend. All right. We got two other games we want to talk about real quick before we end up getting to halftime and then previewing what's coming up this weekend. Uh, one being the place where top five teams go to die. Kinnick Stadium. It was all the talk. It was all the storylines, the narrative heading into this one. It didn't matter. Michigan gets to win 27 to 14. Michigan it wasn't even that close, to, Dalton. It really wasn't. Michigan continues to flex its muscle. And uh, the Wolverines get the win 27 to 14 against the Hawkeyes in the Michigan's first road game of the season as well. What did you two take away from this? Tony, you want me to go? Okay. So it, it was a couple things that, you know, like we've talked about all season, Iowa's defense is literally carrying them as hard as they can against a very like limping, almost amputated offense. That is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, I gave them credit last week. I said the Iowa Hawkeye offense is back. Sam Petras threw for 246 yards, folks. 246. It's incredible. And a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception. He got one touchdown. I mean, he's a solid game. Right? Hey, for him, he they they're coming back. They're coming back. <laughs> but um it it, it was it was to kind of be expected you know the, this was one of those we it was a top offense in the big 10 and in the nation versus one of the best defenses in the big 10 and in the nation and you know the the offense was able to get the win and again i kind of said it you know last week the biggest thing that is that was going to hurt iowa was that offense has to have some type of production you don't always have to come away with points but you have to have you have to come away with some type of production to at least get down on the field and keep your defense rested because that's going to be the only way you're going to be able to be competitive in this game is if your defense doesn't have to be on the field for you know 10 almost 10 minutes at a time as far as drive goes because it's like okay yeah you can get a couple stops but the minute that Michigan you know gets a first down okay all that starts over and then you're for this long drive, and if you're the offense and you immediately go three and out so the defense gets about maybe a two-minute break, all right, defense, time to go back out there. Let's go see what you got. Like that, it's going to hurt them. And, you know, really, like I said, the defense did really well for the most part of the game. You know, all the way up until the third quarter, it was only 20 to nothing. Now, I know that sounds bad because, well, it's 20 to nothing. That's, that's pretty bad. 
But compared to what we've seen Michigan do to some of the other teams that they faced, mainly, you know, quote unquote, cupcake teams, you know, that that was a lot uglier of a matchup than what it could have been. And then, of course, Iowa scores two touchdowns in garbage time that don't really matter. Um, And of course, Michigan ended up scoring, you know, kind of a game ceiling touchdown to end it. But, you know, this is a defense that, again, they, they can go very far, but that offense has to be fixed because, again, you know, like we've talked about it. With, with Wisconsin not really being a definitive, really nobody in the West being a definitive, this is still open for Iowa to do, and they have a defense that any team in the nation would you know relish to have. They just don't have a an even like average offense to be able to go with it, which is just it's sad. It's sad more than anything. Sam, the offense at Iowa outperformed my expectations because I literally didn't <laughs> think they were going to produce more than And that's true. It's true. And and honestly, during time that mattered, they produced seven points. Like 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 Tony said, they scored that last touchdown in garbage time. It was 27 to 7, you know, yeah. n- until right near the end. Uh I had stopped listening. I was driving at the time that they were playing, so I had it on uh what is it, the serious uh red zone channel for Learfield or whatever, where they jump around to the, the different games. And the, I was listening and they were list, they were playing important parts, obviously of the, the, this game. And then all of a sudden, just in passing, they're like, okay, the Michigan Iowa game goes to, goes to final Iowa scores a touchdown late and make, and makes it a lot closer than it actually was. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That 27, seven, that's more of what I was expecting the game to be. So uh, the final score does not paint the picture. That's no. all I got for it. No, it, was, I, I think it went it... exactly the way I thought it was, except for Iowa performed a little bit better offensively and Michigan wasn't as productive against that defense than I thought. Yeah. I, I think you both nailed that. We can go ahead and move on. Let's Moving uh, along. <laughs> let's get to the last recap that we'll we'll have time for. And this is the big one. The Big Ten West. This this could have been a championship game when we look back after the season at the at the year. Purdue goes to Minneapolis, sinks the boat. The Boilermakers win twenty to ten over the Gophers. Uh, Purdue's had Aiden O'Connell ride in on a white horse and <laughs> and be able to to lead it was the more Boilers like the to horse victory. limped in because he was a normal <laughs> Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> But still, what an impressive win yeah. over what has been a dominating Minnesota team so far. And honestly, I didn't see it. Uh, I Again, I was driving at the time that it happened, so I was listening uh, to it. At no point did it seem like, though, even when Minnesota got back to 10-10, it just always seemed like you were waiting for Purdue to extend the lead back out mm-hmm. to me. And and that's not me being a Purdue homer. It just seemed like with without mo there you know minnesota was kind of a an anemic offense and you just didn't have much confidence that they were going to overtake purdue it just did that that was my overall feeling that may be enough of me being a homer that i was like yeah purdue's got this or whatever being cocky whatever but the point is is they won by 10 points and they now uh have a tiebreaker over one of the uh favorites Tony? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is that both quarterbacks 
really didn't play that well. There's five interceptions between both quarterbacks. You know, Aiden O'Connell throws for 199 yards, two picks. And then, of course, Morgan throws 257 yards and three picks. And much to Sam's point, the fact that Mo wasn't there, this was a completely different Minnesota offense to the point where Purdue had, had 100 and Purdue had 160, 160 rushing yards to Minnesota's 47. Yeah. How many games can you say Purdue outrushed somebody? And on basically the <laughs> same number of rushing attempts, Purdue tried to rush it 27 times and got 160 yards. Minnesota attempted 100, not 100. They attempted 26, right? They attempted 26 <laughs> runs and only got 47 yards. So I mean that's basically the same, and Purdue said no, 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 no. We're gonna about we're gonna do about four times better than what. Let's just got. say something too. The Purdue has zero running backs on the roster, like like Mo. Yeah, yeah. just so, about nobody has somebody. Well, like that Mo. that's kind of my point that you know that it was four four to one rushing stats, mm -hmm. and Purdue is if not fourteenth, very close to fourteenth in the conference in rushing. Yeah. And I, and I will say, too, this was actually a very disciplined game. I mean, Purdue only had four penalties for 55 yards, and then shocker. Minnesota had three for 30. I know, that, that was probably the biggest shocker, especially compared to that first night where it's like, you know, there was... The you know, Syracuse per, game ticks me off more than Penn State. That, too. So <laughs> it was, it, it's one of those that I'm happy for Sam, I'm happy for the Boilermakers, that the, the Golden P was able to get a win. for me. Shut up. <laughs> I am happy for you. I can't Whatever. be happy for you. <laughs> Beat the team that you predicted to win the West. I don't. I still have one in the West. I still have one. Well, the West. there's still. I was going to say. So, so let's talk about this for a moment before we hit the halftime break. Let's try and recalibrate. And now that we're almost halfway through the season, who wins this division? Okay, we look at the standings. One and one: Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue. Who else we Nebraska. got up there? Nebraska, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Did you say Illinois I mean, already? I did say yeah, Illinois. Illinois. Okay. So Nebraska, Northwestern were the two I missed. So all of them are one and one. Wisconsin's zero and two, and being at the bottom of that mess, they're in last, a half game back. The Badgers just looked up and said, <laughs> "Paul, Chris, you got to go, man. Like we can't, we can't one and one. And the, all of these, we're looking up at these teams. So like that was part of it, I, I think. But let's talk about this." Everybody's one and one except for Wisconsin at 0 and 2. Who wins this division now? Are, are we changing? You're I'm still going to be held accountable for your preseason pick, including me, which is a mess. But you still what, have a shot. Where do you actually see things going right now? You want to go first, Sam, or you want me to? I'll go first. It's fine. Okay. I I, I have yet to to falter from my my preseason pick. I still think okay. Purdue is the most talented of the mess in the West. Uh, they they seemed to get it together, like like Tony just said against Minnesota. They didn't. They were more disciplined. That's the game they should have had against Syracuse. The discipline mm -hmm. factor. If and we're, Penn State if, and Penn State, but I'm going back just one. Of, you know the for, that eliminates that loss. If they if they are that clean week one, we're looking at an undefeated Purdue team that's probably top fifteen, and you're going well. Yeah, Purdue's going to win the West. It's literally two minutes of game time that has people questioning whether or not Purdue's strong enough to win. I think they are, so I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna falter or sway at this point from from that preseason pick. And but I do think before Tony jumps in. 
it would be natural for a fan to sit there and look at Purdue and say, well, how healthy are they really? And can they stay healthy for the next seven weeks? That's going to be my biggest question with Purdue. As long as Aiden O'Connell doesn't get more injured, I think he gets better each week because obviously if he was good enough to play, that means, okay, he's going to be better than what we can offer other than him. He's not going to hurt it further. So yeah, we saw that he, it wasn't normal. Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. That wasn't our prototypical, what you expect 350, you know, three touchdowns, maybe an interception. Arcade Uh, numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid tech mobile numbers. Uh, But I think if he, as long as he doesn't re-aggravate whatever's wrong with him, because all they've said is upper body injury, and that's fine. I don't need to know anymore. I just, it's at least good to know what he's dealing with to figure out whether or not uh, he should be playing or whatever. But I I think as long as he doesn't aggravate whatever's wrong, I think he's going to get better and better and better over back to his normal AC. Tony? Yeah. Yep, I I'm still gonna ride with uh, Minnesota. I'm still gonna ride with the Badgers. Um, still gonna no, ride with Gophers, the, not the Badgers. The Badgers, Badgers are the ones yep. you don't like, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, gonna ride with the Gophers, you know, and and a lot of it's just because of their their don't overall you know. record and kind of the same thing. As long as you know Mo is healthy, this is a good Minnesota team. This is gonna be a Minnesota team that's gonna be hard to beat no matter what. Now, you know, to me, I'm gonna. I'm going to say probably going to see Purdue there just because of the offensive firepower that they've got. And, you know, their defense isn't much to sneeze at right now either, except for the the discipline. That's the only thing as of right now that I see wrong with Purdue's defense. True. They're at least holding the levy closed. They're at least, you know, it's only going up. I talked him into faltering. No, 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 no. I still have Minnesota. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're going, you're cracking in and out. Your connection isn't the greatest. That's what I was saying. All of a sudden, you went. Dang it. Uh, You're back there for a moment, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Um, The other team I think is going to face Minnesota, and it's probably going to be a little bit of a shocker. I'm going to say Iowa. I think that defense does just enough for him to at least get them in, get them in contention for the West. I don't know about the Big Ten, but in contention for the West. At I think if there's a team that comes out of away from either Minnesota or Purdue, honestly, I think it's Illinois. I was just going to ask, it, do, does this give any confidence to the Illini? They they lost to Indiana early in the season for the Big Ten. That's their Big Ten loss, but since then. They rolled into Madison and rolled over Wisconsin and got Paul Chris fired. Like, does Chase Brown's the number one running back in the country if you're yeah. looking at stats? Yeah. Like, do we start buying stock in the Illini? Yes. Okay. At, at least at least more interest and more stock. And maybe you're not putting your whole portfolio into the Illini, but I think maybe you're taking at least a little bit more of a notice and maybe saying, well, yeah, I could see a, a, a scenario. You know what I love about this? We, we've now talked about Purdue, Minnesota. We've talked about Iowa, and we've talked about Illinois. That's mm-hmm. four of the teams. Are we writing off Wisconsin? Can we can we start getting I'm rid not of writing teams? Wisconsin off either? Okay, so we're leaving Wisconsin in. What about Northwestern? Can I will we... write off no- Northwestern. They've yeah. won some of these mud fights before with the yeah. Big Ten West, but um okay so if you're comfortable writing off northwestern tony are you comfortable or are you keeping them in we're, we're building a collective contender here 
Oh no, I, I'm 100% writing off, you know, Northwestern, you know, and, and the fact that, I mean, I'll, I'm not completely sold into Illinois just because they have Tommy DeVito. He is not Danny DeVito. I can't be sold. I think, I think Tommy Danny. would probably produce more than Danny would. <laughs> um, okay. So the other West team we didn't talk about Nebraska. Are you, Are you writing them off? I say that was your pick. That's buddy. your pick. That Let's you have you decide first. That for everybody that doesn't know, we just need to clarify. Sam did hype them up and convince <laughs> Dalton very in a very good way to pick yeah. Nebraska. I, it was very uh, Stephen A. Smith fashion, saying, "You know what? You you get this one right. That's going to be one to hang a banner on." And that's so right. I was like, "Okay, let's let's ride into the sun." We and then get we the audio off. and be like, "Look, he picked. This is August. He picked them. And yes, if did. they end up winning the West, it's not exactly how I saw it going down, but it certainly would you be. You didn't a story. paint the picture. You just hey, said you what did. the picture would look like. <laughs> you didn't. Ha- you didn't say how they had to win. You just said they had to win. You, you just said at the end of the year they were going to have the best record in the West. Hey, big red, red hot off a win against the Hoosiers. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they can carry the momentum a little further. Who does Nebraska got this up? Oh, they play a, a Friday night. Nebraska Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got the. Uh, the Friday Rutgers? night lights. I mean, and, Nebraska uh, Rutgers. They could go two and one. They could have the lead in the division going the into the weekend. <laughs> Look at this. Yes, the Huskers. I, this is I the can way. See the Twitter posts now. As soon as yep. they win, you know, let's hear it for our Big Ten West leading or division leaders. You know, get After ready for firing. a you up text from me at midnight. After a firing of their head coach, and now they said, "Look at this, Scott Frost. We're winning, baby. We're back." <laughs> So basically, nobody really knows what to think of the West. We have five teams that could still win the West that that we've collectively agreed upon. Maybe even six if you do want to say Nebraska if they beat Rutgers and leads the division. This whole thing is is just something else. But we're going to preview the weekend coming up here in just a moment. Let's hit the halftime break first. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. I'm Richie, a.k.a. Midnight Agent Raw. I'm Devin, a.k.a. Special Delivery Dev. We're the Super Media Bros Podcast. And each week, we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, pro wrestling, and much more. Check us out at SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Shades on. We're off. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. I'm Little Matt. And here in the 500 Section Lounge, we are three dads who host a family-friendly weekly podcast. Yep, we laugh, we go on tangents, and we talk to great guests. Tangents? I I don't know what you're talking about with that. You know, there are gases leaking. Uh, All right, all right, okay. Yeah, we have legendary conversations from sports to history and everything in between. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab grab a a listen. Time for the third quarter. If you're a long-time listener, you know that third quarter whistle is always a little bit of trouble. But look at that. We got it going today. We're feeling good today. We'll have an over-under or, or, or a betting line by the end of this. Does the third <laughs> quarter whistle work? All right. Let's get to some of the previews for this weekend's games. We got a couple of really intriguing ones. Um, let's start by taking a look. At uh, what? What do you have again, Sam? I'm I'm going completely off script behind I the scenes. I have College Park, Columbus, Bloomington. Um, that's it. <laughs> let's go. 
Let's start Bloomington then, because I think the big noon kickoff is actually heading down there for Michigan, yep. Indiana. Uh, Michigan, which, by the way, the big noon kickoff just follows Michigan around wherever they go. They're just like literally in the back of the jet is Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, and, and Brady Quinn just <laughs> sitting back there with Urban Meyer. Uh, but, which, that's a funny picture, Urban Meyer in the back of the Michigan jet. But anyways, uh, Michigan goes to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, this spread is pretty large. Not many people giving a chance to Indiana. How do you folks see it? Same. Yeah. I say I I would love for the Hoosiers to make a definitive statement and come back, but not against not against Blake Corum, not against JJ McCarthy. It's just it's not going to happen. I, it would be cool if it did. That would shock everybody. You know, if Indiana can't beat Ohio State like they have been, you know, last couple of years, they've actually been competitive against them. It's like, okay, we'll get a win against Michigan, make it, and at least when Michigan's competitive, make it a little bit better. But I don't think that's going to happen. Honestly, if they could tie still, I'd root for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, is Michigan close on the the spectrum of of fan hate or angst against is to to indiana as the purdue fan sam no i just really dislike michigan uh as a fan uh well you're talking to a couple of spartans so, i grew up I mean, as a Purdue fan in the time of the fab five so uh, that put a really bad because honestly, I didn't hate Michigan back in what was it, 89 when they won against Seton Hall. I was rooting for yep. Seton Hall, but I didn't hate Michigan. Now that I've grown up, you know, you know, what do they say as you get older, you get wiser? Yeah, okay, <laughs> good enough, good enough. That's fair. Um, okay, so we're, we're going Michigan big against Indiana. No real surprises from, no, from any I, of us. Michigan's really, I they're they're good. I mm -hmm. I I've not said that they're not good. I just don't know that they're going to be last year good, and that's what a lot of people think that once they beat Ohio State, hey, they're back, and they're just going to be automatically penciled into that number two behind Wis or Wisconsin behind Ohio State or competitive with Ohio State. I just don't see it yet. I mean, mm -hmm. they had to have one heck of a special season last year to beat Ohio State. Like that, that's saying something and for them to have that and then to lose big portions of their defense that made it so special, it makes me doubt that they're going to be as good as they were. Yeah. And Fair I enough. don't think IU is the test that will show us whether or not that I think Maryland was more of the, the test yes. than IU is. As, as we talk now, the spread is set at 22 points even, Michigan being a favorite, but that's not even the biggest spread you can find in the Big Ten this weekend. Uh -huh. We move to East Lansing, Michigan State and Ohio State. Ohio State coming off of a drubbing over Rutgers where no Travion Henderson, no Jackson Smith and Jigba, no problem. Mayan Williams comes in at running back and scores five touchdowns on the Scarlet Knights. The spread, as we talk right now, set at 27 and a half points. But in the words of Lee Corso, not, not so, so fast, fast, my friend. friend. We've seen this story before. 1998, Michigan State goes to Columbus. Oh, wait, that oh wasn't it. <laughs> you're talking 2015. We've seen right. that before, too, where Michigan State <laughs> yep. went to Ohio State, beat Ezekiel Elliott in the Buckeyes with a game-winning field yeah. goal from Michael Geiger. But I'm going back to 1998 when Michigan State went to number one Ohio State as 27 and a half point underdogs and led by Nick Saban, 
the Spartans knocked off the Buckeyes. We have seen this play out before, but it's it's obviously going to be a very, very tall task for the Spartans in this one. What do you folks think? Well, first off, I need to apologize that I have the Michigan State logo and the Ohio State logo in the wrong position. It should be the uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, the Spartans uh, the are home. home. Team. Yeah. Noted. Um, so when I said Columbus, I was going by what team was second on the list. Um, <laughs> I don't foresee this being any better than the Wisconsin game. <laughs> like, and, 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 and it's because that while Michigan state, their big, big strong suit is their front seven. Well, mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is one heck of a quarterback and can throw the ball. And forgive me, the front seven had been the strong suit, but the last three weeks, I mean, um, the, the quarterback press, the Spartans finished through week two as the number one team in the country when it came to forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, quarterback sacks, and that pressure is poof, gone. Still continue. I, I But I still contend that that's what's going to win the ball games is if that, that front seven can get the pressure agreed, th- and keep the quarterback on the run and from being able to just sit in the pocket and pick it apart, pick the, the secondary apart. Uh, if 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 the a quarterback, especially like C.J. Stroud, is going to be able to sit there and pick it apart, it's going to be an ugly day in East Lansing. I think it's going to be anyways. So it's I I I don't know that twenty seven is enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. especially after what was it fifty six to seven at the half last year. Well, I think the final is 49-7, so just soften no, it up a little. I don't, I don't I think it was 50. It might have been 49-7 half, but I think it was. I think At it was half and 56 56-7, yeah. I think. It was that, something ridiculous. That might be right. It was bad. Yeah. It was It was an ugly game. Um, yeah, as much as I, I hate to say it, you know, I – I think this is going to be an Ohio State win. And, yeah, so and it was 49 to nothing at the half and 56 oh, okay. to 7 <sighs> final. There you Gosh. go. And one Keon Coleman touchdown. Keon right? touchdown. During and especially time. because uh, Trayvon Henderson is supposed to be back against Michigan and State. They're hopeful that Injigba comes back for the Buckeyes and they're hopeful that Cameron Brown comes back for Ohio State. Yeah. So this This might be a get better game for Ohio State. That's that, really scary to say. That's what I was about to say. This might just be one of those, all right, guys, knock off the rust, and here we go. And, you know, I know Dalton and I, we've, we've said it, and I so Sam has mentioned it. It just it goes to show you how wrong the Heisman Committee got it because of how much Kenneth Walker carried Michigan State last year and how good he was and how anemic this offense looks without him. And again, we bring up last year's debacle in Columbus where it's 56-7. Kenneth Walker barely played in that game. Yep. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. Walker was so impactful, and there's no way to possibly make people understand just how unbelievable of a talent and a value this guy brought to the table. Tony's so right about this. Um, but for Michigan State, I mean, they're coming off a loss 27-13 against Maryland where uh they, they just the secondary just continues to struggle a bit. The defense as a whole, there seems to just be numerous different issues. And you finally saw some life out of the offense in College Park, where Michigan State scored a couple touchdowns in the first half. You had special teams issues, which is a whole nother thing. The kicking game is a red flag. The punting game's 
terrific. Actually, Bryce Beringer ranks number one in the country right now, over 53 yards a punt. So That's one we'll hang our head on I that. I want to be number one in. Well, we, hey, because something. you got to punt a lot to get those numbers. We're, Hey, hey, you're right, but we're taking for Iowa something. and Rutgers, okay? It's working for Iowa and Rutgers. It's right. Well, <laughs> it's they have working thing. for Iowa and Rutgers. <laughs> but um, you, you saw the offense come alive for a moment in the first half, and they, they had the two touchdowns. They get to halftime, you come out in the second half, no points at all the rest of the game. So there, there are just still some issues to kind of sort out in East Lansing. I think an important thing, and I know this is coach speak, it's cliche, it's the kind of run-of-the-mill stuff, but they're not quitting. They had a goal line stand against Maryland in garbage time. Like, they had two goal line stands against Washington, excuse me. The players aren't quitting, but there is definitely some some big issues that need worked out if Michigan State's going to kind of return to form for the rest of the season. We'll see if they can kind of work some of those out against the Buckeyes. Um, by the way, real quick, before we get out of this segment and get to the headlines, uh, speaking of previews, I uh, believe we still have College Park on the table where the Boilermakers are making their way out east to take on the Terrapins. We just talked about Maryland fresh off a win against Michigan State. Talia Tungavailoa, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, going against one of the other best quarterbacks in the conference, Aiden O'Connell, whatever the over-under is, it's probably not high enough if these two teams play to four. I've got 59 and a half as the over-under. Maryland's favored by three. Oh, man. If, if these two quarterbacks are healthy, I don't know if that's enough. Well, we said that about uh, uh, Syracuse and Purdue uh, a few weeks back, and at midway through the third quarter, there was like 17 points scored. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, the oh, floodgates yeah, yeah. opened up and they blew the over-under away. But I, th I think you're right. Uh, while Purdue's defense isn't horrid, they're definitely the weaker of the two sides of the football compared to their offense. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – it could be 45-41, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and whoever has the ball last wins the game. Well, yeah, I, I kind of agree, and I'm – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against Purdue. I'm gonna say Maryland shocks. You got to to get win. Minnesota back into first place. So I, I know I have to. I but, hear you. But no, legitimately, I mean, you look at what Maryland did to Michigan. I mean, majority of that game, they gave Michigan a big run for their money, and that's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, the team other than Ohio State to beat right now, at least in the Big Ten. So they they showed, hey, we're we're not exactly going to be the rollover team everybody thinks we are. So I I would I, would I go. I go with Purdue, and this is simply because the team that I now say is number two in the in the East, Purdue had beat and beat themselves. Penn State is, in my mind, better than Michigan now, right now. And wow. so, therefore, I think that, that Purdue shot themselves in the foot. At least Maryland, I didn't, or against Michigan, I didn't see Maryland beat themselves, but I didn't pay attention to it greatly. But what I'm saying there is, is I didn't have any glaring of, oh, Maryland had this one and they let it go. Purdue had that game won against Penn State. And well, they you can make, blew it. make that point straight out the gate when Michigan kicks off and uh, the yeah. ball muffed and Michigan scores in the first 20 seconds of the game. So, like, actually, it was Maryland. Seconds, Dalton. Yeah, fair enough. But Maryland <laughs> spotted them seven yeah. points to start the and game. And they lost by seven. I mean, so and and Talia got hurt in that one. I mean, Maryland's a good football team, and and I don't know if people need that to be heard to start to understand it. But 
if this team stays healthy, which that's the stereotypical Maryland problem, right? You start flipping the calendar, you get about halfway through the year and your stars get hurt. That mm-hmm. happens time and time again the to water. the Terps. <laughs> right. But I mean, you have Talia quarterback, you have two receivers that are NFL picks soon to be like mm-hmm. they have weapons. Maryland's a good football team. If they stay healthy, I mean, honestly, Maryland's probably a top five, top six team in the conference right now. Like yeah. it's, it's time to put respect on the turtle. I ain't got to respect no turtle. <laughs> no, but did you, they did ain't teenage and they ain't eating pizza. And fighting crime, so I ain't got to respect nothing. Don't tell there me. You say, did, did you ever see Futurama? <laughs> yeah. When Bender says, no one insults the turtles. Yeah. Don't you do that to <laughs> That should be on the Jumbotron every game. Yeah. Um, but all right, so this should be quite the shootout we're predicting in College Park between Maryland and Purdue. Uh, let's go ahead and move to the fourth quarter and our headlines. Fourth quarter, this is the part of the show where we bring out headlines, something that stuck out to us throughout the last week. And we always start off with Tony Hollinsworth in the Tony Tribune. Tony, what do we got? Yeah, so for for our, our viewers and our listeners that you know watch NFL or keep up on NFL, you may or may not have seen last Thursday night's football game, uh, the Dolphins versus the Bengals, where Tua got hurt, and it was very bad. He ended up going to a hospital in Cincinnati, he has since been fine. He's still in concussion protocol, and there's a lot of scandal with the NFL as far as you know their their whole approach to players' health as far as you know medical wise goes. Uh, but uh, Maryland's quarterback, uh, how do you say his name? Is it Talia? Talia. Okay, I didn't want to misenunciate that because I was completely going to butcher that. Um, he was actually <laughs> he was there for that game. Uh, he was there for his brother. Um, he did give us a little bit of an update on it. He said that he is doing good. Everything's fine. Uh, he said that his biggest thing was just seeing him and spending as much time as he could with him, and he came back Sunday night. Um, so it is kind of hard to see your your family, your brother, and your former teammate when they were both in Alabama um, go down like that. But it, it's cool that he was able to not only you know be there for his brother, but then he even said Friday – He's like, I didn't really want to play the game, but then Friday night he was pumped up to be able to play uh, against Michigan State, and his team ended up coming out with the win. So you kind of see a little bit of that emotion there and maybe playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, like, hey, I'm going to do this for my brother um, you know, as he's hurt. So it's kind of cool to see the the brotherly love there and how much, how much they care for each other, um, not just as brothers but as teammates. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very, very good point. Very inspirational as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Sprunger in the Sam Sentinel. What do we have? Oh, my goodness. It is October yet again, and it's one of my favorite times of the year, and it has nothing to do with Halloween. Or pumpkin uh, spice? No. Oh, <laughs> good question. so it's october and it's normally from october 1st or 2nd through the 30th or 31st depending on where it falls sirius xm has a channel that is amazing and i drive my family insanely crazy with it if you look just up over my left shoulder so right there is my poster of billy joel at wrigley field for the fifth straight year and i i have seen billy joel uh, perform uh let's see three times and twice at wrigley once at uh madison square garden 
Uh, he is my favorite performer, but the Billy Joel channel is 105 on X Sirius XM. And if if you have any interest in Billy Joel, uh he he does interviews, he he talks about why he wrote some of these songs. And it's just an amazing and I know this has nothing to do with sports and I don't care. It's my headline. <laughs> uh but it, it it literally it's one of those that it, I get excited twice a year for what's on the radio. And it's because in normally in March and October, Billy Joel channel comes back to Sirius XM for a month and it's nonstop wall to wall Billy Joel. So uh, if you don't know his music, shame on you times 10. Uh, if you don't know the big 10 plus four show, that's just shame on you. Billy Joel. Come on. He, he's a he's a brilliant writer, wrote one of the best songs written, well written songs that I would contest is is written one of the best i've ever ever uh heard and that's we didn't start the fire it may not be the best melody it may not be the best best lyrically uh for meaning but oh my goodness he puts dien bien fu falls into a song and it flows so well so and just some of the stories that he tells behind what he wrote these songs about songs he doesn't like i love billy joel i love the billy joel channel every october so the sam sentinel is the psa to go if you have if you have sirius xm program 105 onto there because whenever they do special channels it's normally channel 105 so uh yeah that's the sam sentinel billy joel channel all the way through october oh we know the soundtrack <laughs> for sam throughout the month of october you do oh uh, and when we used to go on uh fall break trips it's always in October. So oh. I drive and I control the radio. So I would drive my family insane because <laughs> it would always be on Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There, there are worse people to leave the radio on than Billy Joel. Sure. So and, that, and that's why I'm, I'm okay with it. Plus, I really love the music. I mean, I, I, with Billy Joel, I have made the, the contention that I will see him in concert every year that he's close to me because i waited until next year with tom petty and he passed away before i could see him in perform in person so i decided you know what billy joel's next on my list i'm gonna see him every year i can to until he doesn't tour any longer for whatever reason and it's because of that because i it just it, one of the best concerts i've ever seen in person and that was when he was in his late 60s almost 70 when I first started watching him, uh, his voice isn't the same, but he performs for two and a half hours straight and does most. Uh, it's just awesome. It's fantastic. That's pretty neat. That's really and, neat. and, and, and what got this going, what made me decide this? And I, I'm sorry, I'm totally hogging this. Uh, You're good. What made me decide this was uh, I was listening last night and piano man, a live version playing of piano man came on. And he always stops the last time they, they sing, uh, play us the song, You're the Piano Man. The crowd sings it. And oh. what, what just blows my mind is the first time I was standing or standing in Wrigley Field with Gavin watching Billy Joel, 50,000 people singing that simultaneously back to the guy that wrote it. Uh, I don't know that there can be much better feeling for a performer. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's I, I don't got much to add on to it. It's just it's a really <laughs> neat thing. It's it's pretty cool. Um for the Dalton Daily, I wanted to take a look and kind of full circle our show back to the Paul Christ deal for just a moment because Paul Christ gets dismissed, and of course he gets a buyout that we don't fully know the details of. But what we can maybe go off of is one of the reports out there, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, who does a good job covering some of the different minutiae in sports, a lot of the business details and different things. Um, he's got it reported right now at $11 million. Again, Chris McIntosh says the number is significantly lower than what's been reported out there. So who knows if this is 100% accurate, right? But I want to take a look at this buyout for a moment because uh, there's actually a couple things I want to look at. One, we've seen two coaches in the Big Ten be fired here in the season. During the offseason, Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, at the podium for the Big Ten Media Days said, look, we're the only Power Five conference who brought all our coaches back uh, and had no changes in the middle of the year. And this goes to show the product of the climate that college football and college athletics is right now. It's win now or go home. And now we see two coaches leave after an offseason where nobody had left. But getting back to the buyout and Ross Dellinger's report, because he has it listed $11 million for Paul Chris, if you add that on to Scott Frost, you add it on to Herm Edwards, you add it on to uh, Doral from Colorado. You add it on to more and more of these coaches that have already been fired this season. The total buyout number, as again reported by Ross Dellinger, $56.7 million that has gone to fired coaches in college football. And we are week five in the college football season this year. Folks, as we talk about money in college athletics and the business that it is, and you see a b- billions of dollars get shifted around college athletics with TV contracts and everything else, when you're talking about some of the waste and some of the greed, some of the different areas where there's excess, look at this. Five weeks in, $56.7 million have gone to fired coaches. We're not even halfway through the year. There has to be a better way to move forward with this. I don't know exactly how you make the change where the markets are and the precedents already set where coaches understand, hey, look, I want this much money guaranteed. If you don't, somebody will offer that to me. But somewhere in the spirit of just trying to to not waste as much money and, and just greed as this, nearly $57 million, and actually put the money to use for the student athletes to give them a better experience. And maybe this money goes to other sports on campus. There are so many different uses you could have than spending nearly $60 million to fired coaches, not even a half through the football season. So I don't know how you make that change again, because you could say a coach could say to you, if you're not going to guarantee me that money, I'm going somewhere else because they will. I understand that. But somehow collectively, we have got to do a better job of setting up these contracts where coaches aren't just handed a paycheck on the way out like this and money from the universities are just wasted. So that's the Dalton daily. We have got to do better with coaching contracts. Look, And I know like everybody, you can point out the problem and not have the answer. I don't have the answer how you shift that, but this is a massive issue in college athletics. Yeah. And, and we talked about this uh, when Scott Frost was, was dismissed. And, and the only thing that I can, I can keep venturing back to is how many donors donated for that specific. 
Yep. Um, how much is the university actually paying out? And I have no data on understanding or knowing what that percentage is. So I, I don't disagree at all. They absolutely, there are so many uh, lower level coaches uh, or programs that aren't being funded uh, appropriately because they're wasting money. And, programs and, have been cut the last few years across yeah, the country. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and there are various reasons, but the funding is the, the, the underlying issue uh, for most, if not all of them. So it, it's, it's frustrating because you want to have all of those sports offered, but yet it's, it's, it's being wasted on quick firings or, or whatever, you know, like, you, they could have saved what seven million dollars. Nebraska could have if they would have waited four more weeks, you know, or three more yep. weeks, or whatever it was. Three, and, uh, yeah. And so I, there, there, there needs to be something. But how? How do you do that? Because it is within anybody's right to Correct. fire whoever they want. Oh, okay. and and let me be clear. My problem isn't so much with the firings. It's the way you set up these contracts where everything's fully guaranteed. I mean, nobody else has a job like that. It, Sam, baseball. if you get, well, but like Sam, if you got fired from a job tomorrow, right. are you paid the next three years salary? No. no. Like no. they're not even giving have, me a severance. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like anyways. we have got to change how we're doing these contracts with coaches. Like yeah. there's smart ways to handle this. Now, again, in a competitive market, I don't have the answer how everybody all at once woof, decides, look, we're going to stop doing this in this kind of unfeasible way but that's where the change has to be made it's the yeah. fully guaranteed money up front um well i okay. i would even oh, say ahead, I, I would even say you know make make some some type of penalty towards the school like i don't i don't know what that would be because i mean it's not like there's a draft pick it's not like there's you know those type of punitive punishments but i mean make make a disciplinary board for the school like hey if you <laughs> do decide to fire your coach and you're going to give up this money, like, you know, you're going to be reprimanded for it. And it's, Did and it's not to force them to keep like a bad coach or if there is something, you know, obviously there should be clauses in case there's something that, you know, goes horrifically wrong. If they violate some type of agreement or, you know, personal conduct, something to that effect, you know, be able to have an escape clause. But other than that, it's like, now you like the school, you know, kind of like we're saying the schools need to be held accountable because that's a ton of money that is being taken away from the student athletes, other programs, and just the school as a whole. And it's like, okay, these are businesses and you're making bad business moves by just saying, yeah, this isn't really our guy anymore. Let's just, let's just drop an easy five mil and it'll be no, it'll be no problem. Did Tony just ask for the NCAA to make a rule? and have That was my thing too. I was going to say, but who's going to imply these rules? Who's yeah, going to enforce yeah. these rules? <laughs> it's great in a vacuum. Yeah, yeah it great. is. It's great in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I totally get it. And Sam makes a great point too. When some of the money's coming from donors, from boosters, I mean, it, it gets a little different. But my point is these fully guaranteed yeah. contracts up front, these can be shaped differently. And they should be for the well-being of everybody besides fired middle-aged men that are sitting at home after not having to work at their jobs anymore for the years to come. All right. On the way out of here, Sam, Tony, let us know where we can find the podcast. Let us know everything that's happening on all the socials. Well, we've got, uh, I did update the icons. So we have uh, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook or uh, Twitter. 
at Big Ten plus four. Spell out the plus. Gentlemen, do not put the plus sign for those. Facebook, Big Ten plus four. You can spell out the plus. You can put the plus. Doesn't make any difference. And then find us at oddpodsmedia.com for our audio, along with all the other oddpods media family of shows. uh, Find us every, at this time, Friday on on, uh, on ASAP Network, uh, we're we're looking to change that up and uh, maybe double our shows, so we'll have a an early week and a, a mid to late week uh, release of our other show. Uh, so that's that's coming down the pike. We haven't gotten an exact date of as to when that's happening, but it will be happening uh, soon. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Tony, you got anything to add to that? No, not that I can think of. Um... Definitely, everybody be excited because there's going to potentially be twice as much Big Ten football and twice as much of us. Twice either as much in your Big ears Ten or on your screens. Four. One of the two. Twice as much Big Ten plus four. Exactly. Not necessarily football, but Big Ten plus four. What, what's not to love? You get to see and hear us more. Huh. Yeah, yeah, twice as much. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for another edition of Big Ten Plus Four. Once again, that's Tony Hollinsworth, Sam Sprunger. I'm Dalton Shetler. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. <laughs>